0: Hey guys, welcome to Industry Seeding. It's your host, Jason Thomas. Season's over. It's Sunday. Just finished up the final round at Paula. Pretty good day overall. I mean, I think what we expected to happen kind of what we got as far as championship-wise anyway. These things have a tendency to go that way. When you have guys that have a decent lead, there's just so much pressure on them to you know, seal the deal so to speak, that you're not going to see a, a heroic effort most times. Every once in a while, you'll see guys get out there and just like they want to put a stamp on it, but for the most part, you usually see exactly what we got. Before we get too far into that, I want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast for making it happen. Pirelli Tires, Pro ProGlow, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 Suspension. Fast Foundry, Risk Racing, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them, and we'll get more in-depth with them, as we always do. But, again, this is what we thought was going to happen. You know, we did have some drama, both classes, in the middle of the season. Jeremy Martin made a run. He was actually your points leader for a while. But I think we would all be lying if we if we said that we thought that Jeremy was the best rider, even back then I was on record as saying that I liked the way things were going for Jeremy. I liked how things were setting up going into spring Creek. He wasn't able to really get the deal done. And that was the whole, that was the linchpin for this whole series. I liked that. He was your points leader. Of course that's, that's not rocket science, but I liked him going into those two home. Well, one home round and then a round that. I I felt like he could win, which was WWE ranch. And he lost, Four motos in a row to Dylan Ferrandis, And once that kind of happened, I, I was, I don't want to say done, but I thought that the writing was on the wall as far as Ferrandis being your champion because he was up against it. You know, he was dealing with that shoulder injury, leaving Red Bud. He had a lot of adversity with, you know, going into those rounds. Just He, he knows as well as as we all do that those rounds are are pivotal for Jeremy Martin and that it gives him a great opportunity on tracks and soil that he feels very comfortable on. But he was able to overcome that and not only hold his own with J-Mart, he was able to actually dominate results wise. He didn't dominate Jeremy because you, we all remember the battle they had at Spring Creek, but on paper, he dominated he, points wise and making up every bit of ground he could, he dominated. And, and really to me, that's when this championship was won. That that weekend off between Red Bud 2 and Spring Creek, to me, was the most pivotal part of this entire championship. That's when Dylan Fernandes was able to mentally and physically gather himself up and go into that, th- those two rounds. And he got it done, plain and simple. And he should be committed for that. He will get a huge bonus check, which uh, I, that's enough commending for me. Um, but I, I think he was your deserving champion. He was the best guy. I mean, this isn't this isn't really news. Anybody who was watching Loretta's the first round, we saw him just ride away from everybody. You, you kind of like, oh well, we we know who the best guy in this class is. And when you look at his age and his experience, it's not that surprising. They that bike, you know, that team proved all year that they had the best equipment in the class. It was a pretty big advantage to overcome for anyone. So kudos to Dylan Ferrandis, and then when you watch his ride at Paula, I mean he was just kind of cruising. You know, the first moto he was going for it a bit. I think he wanted to to try to solidify that point so he could take it easy in the second one. You know, he went off the track and he was battling pretty hard there in that first moto. Take I thought he took some chances and he I would say put it on the line, but he certainly didn't lay up at all. And then the second motive, you can just tell it was like, okay, get out here on the start and then just bring it home. Don't do anything stupid. Don't get in any altercations, any tip overs like we saw at Lakewood, uh, Thunder Valley, excuse me, whenever he uh, just got pushed off the track. Just avoid anything like that. If somebody has more pace than you and, and they're getting aggressive, just let it go. Let them go. Don't even worry about it. And that's just what championships – that's how championships are won. You battle all season to put yourself into a spot where you don't have to take chances. And that's exactly what Zach Osborne did as well. No difference whatsoever. And we'll certainly get into the 450 class here in a little bit. But, you know, it was it was a bit anticlimactic in the 250, which is fine. You know, you weren't really expecting a lot of drama. But to me, I think the real story of the 250 class was Geico Honda going away. And it's just such a bummer. This, this team is one of the best in the sport. They're super professional. They were well-funded and just, they did things right, you know? And, and you know, when you see it, it's, it's hard to define, but there are certainly, you know, ways, I guess, ways to do that. You know, they paid their riders well. They paid their staff well. Their race shop was state of the art and, and beautiful really. I mean, you look at a lot of race shops and they're very industrial and not much to look at. Geico Honda was, was more NASCAR style, you know. It was just over the top, and and they had a lot of resources there that most teams would never even be able to dream of. And it just seems like that's all gone now. Like that team is just no more. And you go back and you look at the history of this team, going back to when it was Michael Rocco, and when they had Jack in the Box as a sponsor that paid nothing. And most people don't know that the the Jack in the Box sponsorship at the very beginning was just a logo. And it was more to validate the team and and to lend credibility to try to bring in other sponsors. Because if if potential sponsors see a large brand, you know, a global brand, I guess American brand anyway, like Jack in the Box, that lends credibility to a fledgling team and and other people are going to be like, yeah, that that sounds like a good deal to be a part of. They're going to get a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention because of any cross promotion that might go on. We should sign up for that too. And then you attach a rider like Michael Rocco to it and you're off and running and you look back on, you know, it was just basically a fun mover back then. And you see what that grew into, uh, you know, the owner of former owner of planet fitness, Mike Ronda was a part of it. And Jeff, my and, uh, Rick Zeke all these guys that are they're great people, they ran a great operation and now they're closing the doors and unfortunately, you know, Geico pulling their funding is, is the reason. And you want to say there are, you know, usually there are many reasons for something going sideways. In this occasion, I don't believe that to be the case. I think it was just one thing going sideways. And I think that's Geico Geico insurance deciding to not re-up their deal and ending their deal without a lot of warning. And that seems like to be the biggest problem with all this is there was not enough notice. There wasn't notice in time to go find another potential sponsor or a group of potential sponsors to try to fill in that gap. And also because the Geico deal was, it was a lot of money. It was one of the biggest outside sponsors in the sport. If, if not the biggest, like they, they may not pay as much as red Bull or monster or rockstar, or, but I, I think it's up there with them. I think it's in the same range for a singular team deal. And to try to replace that in COVID-19 circumstances, you know, this 2020 season or year has been incredibly difficult for a lot of industries. And I, I don't think that many corporations are looking to make large commitments like that financial commitments with the uncertainty that everybody's facing. We don't know. It's an election year. It's COVID-19. There's just so many things going on. I think a couple things there, you know, if, if this had been a normal year, say it was 2019 and they had lots of notice, which is how it's supposed to be done. You know, I, I don't have all the facts, but I, I do know some of the story. I think they should have let him know long before they did. But I think they would have a chance to go out and find enough funding to put an, an effort together for 2021. And there's a chance they could have still done that, but it would have been very last minute. And there would have been, there would have been a lot of people, both staffing, riders, everyone involved, would have kind of just been holding on to hope right and that that puts too much pressure on people because you're talking about their livelihood and their career and their ability to pay their bills and all that stuff would have just been in limbo all the way up to to january probably as they tried to put this together and it it sounded like you know the owners and honda weren't willing to take a risk like that with with the whole program you know it would just it it could have turned out to be disastrous and I think instead of taking a big risk like that with people's lives, well, I say lives, their livelihoods, they just decided to to be done. And and that's pretty horrible. I mean, you're talking 20 plus year run of this team. And, you know, to get into the personal side of it, for me, I was very close to this effort. We were in very he- heavy negotiations with this team. I mean, we were to the point where we had, and, and when I say this, I mean fly racing. We had agreed on terms, we had agreed on, the funding, you know, the number for lack of a better term that, you know, we were going to commit to helping support this team and to be uh, one of the larger sponsors. Everything was, was growing great. You know, we had, everything was done. You know, the Geico team had uh, ended their future talks with Fox and shift. They were moving away from that and that presented an opportunity for fly racing, which we were very excited about. And I spent hours and hours and hours on the phone with the owners of the team. And, and that's not exaggeration. I'm talking hours on the phone trying to hammer this deal out and work through what it would look like and the potential uh, projects that we could both work on from their, their YouTube and social channels to you know, the rise of Jet Lawrence and, and all, just all the exciting opportunities that were in front of us. So on a personal level to see this team go away and and for that opportunity to be gone, you know, in its current form anyway, is a pretty big bummer. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty saddened and I I fought back against the rumors initially. I kept hearing it and, you know, I would have one-on-one conversations with the team and hear one thing. And then I was hearing rumors that ended up being true on the other end. And I was kind of pushing back like, I'm, you know, basically saying, I'm not getting that information. That's not what I'm hearing from the team, but they were just being very optimistic. And of course they didn't want to send the wrong message to potential sponsors because then that just casts more doubt and it makes it more difficult to to pull this thing off. So I completely understand it on that end, but we'll see what happens now. You know, the, the plan looks to be that Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence will go to factory Honda. They will stay on Hondas in some sort of factory Honda truck factory Honda capacity. I don't know if they run out of the hospitality truck, which to me would be the most likely scenario because Honda always has two semis at the races or supercrosses. Anyway, one for hospitality and one for racing, of course, with the final supercross rounds and Lucas oil promoter Cross, that has not been the case because you know, the, the pits are closed and uh, there would be nobody at the hospitality rig anyway, but under normal circumstances, and I'm sure in 2021, that would be the case again. So that's where I would see them ending up. Uh, the rest of the guys, I don't know. Uh, Jeremy Martin will certainly get a job. He's a race-winning guy. I think he's going to end up at Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki. That sounds like it's the most likely scenario. And I think that's that's a great fit for everybody involved. Because if you look at J-Mart and his personality and his work ethic and he's he's a pretty straightforward guy, right? He's not big on, you know, he's not larger than life personality. He's a hardworking guy and you, you kind of know what you're getting from him at all times. And that's really what Mitch Payton's about. That's what that team is about. They are always the, the business, like we want results. We're here to win team. That's always been them and probably always will be them. So if you look at, look at, the dynamics of rider and team, it's an ideal fit. And you almost wonder, like, how did that never work out before? So I I predict good things from them. If if that goes that way and they get him on the team, which I do believe will happen. I don't think it has happened, but I do believe it will. I think J-Mart will be right in the mix. We'll see how Supercross goes for him. You always kind of expect J-Mart to be winning Supercross titles, and it never goes that way. So I won't jump back into that immediately because I think – guys like Forkner and, and these guys are going to be great. Jet Lawrence, there's there's going to be a lot of great 250 guys that will be as good as J-Mart, I think. But outdoors, I think J-Mart will most likely be your champion in Lucas Hall Promoter Cross next summer if he is on that Pro Circuit Kawasaki. That's my prediction a year away. So we'll see, but uh, things are looking good. I think for Pro Circuit, it's a win. It's a great opportunity for them to get a, a race-winning guy that they probably had no idea would even be available. And they're going to jump right on that. And then if you're J man, you had to be really bummed because you've been well taken care of by that team for a very long time. And then that team goes away and you're kind of wondering like, oh boy, what am I going to do now? Because you know, you want factory equipment, you want a good paycheck and you want an opportunity to make a lot of money. Well, in comes Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki with that opportunity. Now, I, I don't know the money or I don't know any of that, nor is it any of my business, but Mitch Payton is very much about allowing guys to make a lot of money if they perform. He he knows these guys have opportunities to make other, you know, big money at other teams. So if you perform for Mitch, you make money, period. So uh, that's kind of how I see that going. For the JMAR program, uh mentioned the Honda, you know, the Lawrences go to Honda. That seems like an easy fit. The question I, I have there is will they be doing their own gear deals or will that be a factory Honda 250 team gear deal and that's you know i'm sure that's more interesting to me than most people because i'm in that arena uh but just watch for that to play out i have not and i don't believe any anyone from fire racing has had direct conversations about that situation because it's so brand new but i would certainly like to um i have an opinion of how that's going to go and uh it's probably not the ideal scenario for me, but, um, knowing who's involved and all the parties in play, I, I kind of have a feeling of the way that's going to go, but we'll see, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. And once things shake out, I will tell you on this podcast, if it went the way I, I thought it would, or if I was wrong, I, I have no problem with that. I just, I don't want to make predictions this early because I'm too close to it right now, but it'll be uh, it'll be a fun few weeks anyway. Speaking of Jet Lawrence, got his first win. We knew it was coming. We didn't know when I didn't know if it would be, you know, even this year, but you can see the writing on the wall. The kid is, you know, 17 years old, incredibly talented, charismatic, really fast, looks to be pretty smart on the track, even though, you know, he had that big crash at Anaheim two And you're like, Oh man, that was a, that was a rookie moment there. He really looks to be growing up mentally and physically right in front of us. He he doesn't have big crashes or get offs or or even look sketchy at speed. He just looks like a future champion to me. So I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty big on the the future of that kid, which I don't think is breaking news to anyone. That's pretty obvious. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good opportunity. I, I think when you look at the day, you knew Ferrandis was going to kind of lay up. Okay, so. That that's going in your favor because Ferrandis is the best rider in the class. Then you go out and you pass Justin Cooper, who they had, you know, their social media drama this past week, which was pretty silly. That had to feel good for, for Jet Lawrence to go win that first moto, you know, passing Justin Cooper. And then the second moto, you just do enough to get it done. You don't have to go win the moto again. You saw j Mart, the pace he was on. I mean, he was... His speed was, you know, he was doing 159s and everybody else was doing like 201s at certain points of the moto. So you could see him riding away from you and you're like, all right, that's fine. I don't need to beat Jay Marthas' moto. I, I have this wrapped. I don't have to worry about Ferrandis. Justin Cooper's not even out here. His bike broke on the starting line. So it just, you know, everything went his way. And that's, that's just how things go in these scenarios sometimes. You have to be ready to capitalize when the opportunity arises. You're not always going to get things set up perfectly for you. But when you do, you have to be ready to jump on it. And that's exactly what Jed did. I mean, even, you know, like his brother, Hunter had really been coming on. And then he tweaks his shoulder and practice and he's done for the day. So it would really all set up for him nicely. When you look at all of the variables and all of the, the just strange events that were going on or just unique situations in that particular day. It just was was Jet's day, and I don't think he cares at all. I think he'd be like, "Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it any way I can possibly get it," and he certainly got it done. So, congratulations to Jet. I, the future is just incredibly bright for that kid, and we'll see what Honda does with him. I would not be shocked to see something come out where Honda locks him up for several years in the future, but I don't know. I don't know that they can. I, I guess they can do anything they want when it really comes down to it. But you look at their team. They have two 450 stars, right? They have Ken Roxon and they have Chase Sexton, who's really coming into his own, which he won yesterday too, and we'll get into that. But what does Honda do? I guess you just hold on to him and then figure it out later. You certainly don't let him go. But I would bet, or I would, I would guess, that Lucas Myrtle, who is Jet Lawrence's and Hunter Lawrence's agent, with this contract thing up in the air, I would bet he's on a big money grab right now because – Jet Lawrence property is skyrocketing. His stock has never been higher and I'll keep just throwing cliches at you, but that's what agents do. They capitalize and they, you know, when the, the iron's hot, they strike. That's what they do. So we'll see. I would not be very surprised at news though. I I know that he is out negotiating gear deals and goggle deals and every kind of deal you can possibly conjure up because that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go get his, his rider, a lot of money and lock up his financial future. And I don't think he's going to have a hard time finding suitors. I know there's one on the other end of this microphone right here that speaks uh, with a team for a company that would love to be a part of that negotiation. I just don't know that we're going to get the opportunity to, but if that opportunity arises, I can promise you I will be on the next phone call with whoever is willing to listen if it's, if it's talking about jet Lawrence. So congrats to him. Uh, and, And one more thing on jet just before we move on, I'm very interested to see where this off season goes for jet, because these are very formative years for jet Lawrence and you can just see the maturity happening so quickly. So you talk about another few months and, and we'll see if he rides East or West, but times like this, where you get three or four months off to just practice and get better and test and come into your second supercross season. Remember he's only raced one supercross season. I think you're going to see another big jump forward, like a, a big maturity process go on, a big uh, kind of talent meets improvement meets testing type jump. Because remember the last time we saw him at Supercross, he almost won. And that wasn't that surprising. I mean, we, we knew he was capable of winning, but then you saw the the rookie mistake there, which broke his collarbone. So I think you're going to see him with all this time off and all this this learning that he's done in the 2020 season, I think that's really going to show up and at whichever coast he decides on, he's going to come out swinging in the 2021 season. So that's just my prediction. I obviously sound very optimistic about his chances, but yeah, that's, that's just how I feel. And just what I've seen, you don't see kids improve and their growth and acceleration curve this sharp very often. It's pretty rare You know, you look back and and you got to – even for me, right, I have to keep my expectations under control. You can't get too carried away because I don't think you can compare him to the greats yet. Like I've heard people comparing him to Carmichael and Stewart and those guys. I'm not there. I think he's going to win. I think he'll be a champion in the future. But to compare him to the all-time best ever, I don't think we've seen that yet. You know, you look at Ricky Carmichael – his first race was Steel City in 96, right after Loretta's. He went 17-6 or 16-7, one of the two, I can't remember. And then you, the next time we saw him race a motocross race was at Gatorback in 97, and he went 1-1. I don't know if he went one He won the overall, though, with moto. I don't know. I, I should look that up. I sound really uninformed. But I do know that he, he won and beat Steve Lampson ended up winning the championship that year. That's a crazy amount of improvement, right? Jet Lawrence hasn't even done anything like that yet, right? He he's gotten much better. You look at last year's outdoors, he was running inside the top ten at the end of the season. He turned that into finally winning a race at the last round. But it it wasn't that kind of ascension. Talking about James Stewart, I mean he won right away. Like he was he was the fastest guy as soon as he signed up for the class. He almost won his first ever supercross race. So that's a different level than what you're seeing from Jet Lawrence. So everybody needs to pump the brakes, including myself, a little bit. But still, all you can do is try to align yourself and, and make predictions on what you see. And he's, his, his future is certainly bright. Let's just not put too much pressure on him. He's he's doing very well. His improvement is more than anybody could ask for. Just don't pressure him to the point where you start comparing him to guys like that are on a lot of people's Mount Rushmores. And I think that just it's undue pressure there. There's no need for that. That's not anything realistic that anybody could ever ask to live up to. And I don't think many people are doing that. I've just heard it floated out there. And I'm like, hold on. That's not fair to that kid. He didn't ask for those comparisons, nor are they warranted at this point. But anyway, uh, the Justin Cooper thing, weird deal, right? Those bikes have not failed very often. I've only seen those bikes fail a couple times you know, and there were usually mud races. We saw Dylan Foranis's bike have an issue at at Ironman a few years ago in the mud, but just to have some sort of problem on the starting line is very, very rare. Now I will say the one thing I've seen in between motos like that is if they wash the bike and it gets, uh, the electronics get wet, that can happen. and, And you have issues for the second moto. Now I have no idea if that it is what happened. I'm hundred percent speculating, which is stupid. I should not do that, but that's what generally happens in between motos. If there's a problem, they did something while servicing the bike between motos and got the electronics wet or the wiring harness, something wrong with a pressure washer. That's mo- the most likely culprit. Now the, it could have just blown up on the starting line. I don't believe that's what happened though. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. I'll, uh, I'll ask around and see if I can report back on that and see exactly what went wrong. I'll, uh, maybe I'll text Will Hahn and see. But definitely a bummer for Justin Cooper. He certainly didn't look happy leaving the, uh, leaving the track in the middle of that second 250 moto. But, hey, why not? Might as well go home. Your your house is, you know, 10 minutes down the road. Might as well go home and uh, cool off and and start your offseason. You know, he's got a contract in hand. He will be a title contender for 2021. But I'm sure he was just pissed off in the moment. And he wanted to win. I'm sure he wa- he ha- he knew he had a shot at the overall. He got third in the first moto. He was your fastest qualifier, so I'm sure he wanted a little redemption after letting Jet Lawrence pass him in that first moto. And to not even have a shot at it, it's a bummer. You know, these kids work really hard. They train their butt off, and when things go wrong like that, it sucks. Now, the team is bummed too. You know, those mechanics, and for those of you who aren't around that, the mechanics work tirelessly. That job is pretty thankless in a lot of cases, you know, the, the star mechanics of the sport. Yeah. They get glory and whatever, but for most mechanics, it's really thankless. Like they work a million hours. They don't really make a lot of money. And when it comes down to it, they just have to love it. That's, you know, you, you all probably listen to Steve Mathis' shows. It's probably how you found this one, but he was that guy. He was a mechanic. He barely made enough money to pay his bills. I mean, when he first started, he was sleeping on the floor of the, the shop at FMF Honda. You know, he didn't have any money. He wasn't, the Steve Mathis that you know now, he was just a, you know, as he would put it, a greaseball mechanic. And just because he loved the sport and wanted to be here and wanted to be in America doing it. That's, that's what this is for a lot of those guys. So my point is as pissed off as Justin Cooper was, those mechanics felt horrible. You know, they feel like they let him down regardless of what happened. So, uh, it's, it's a shared loss in a situation like that. And the riders get all the attention and, and yeah, it's, you know, Justin Cooper probably had – was probably mumbling under his breath, pissed off the bike, let him down. But I can assure you that mechanic felt worse than anybody in that scenario. And uh, they'll get it right. They'll get it figured out, and he'll come out swinging for 2021. And really, it didn't matter. There wasn't a whole lot up for grabs unless there was some sort of bonus money that I don't know about for this, you know, series bonus money or something. But with Alex Martin going out, I, I kind of doubt that was the case because poor A-Mart broke his uh, his lower leg. In practice. So I doubt there was, uh, there was much going on there anyway. I think it was already kind of a done deal, which would make the, uh, the hurt a little less for Justin Cooper. I want to thank Pirelli tires for being the title sponsor of this podcast. They won both the MX2 and the MXGP class this weekend in Spain. And I was supposed to be in Spain this weekend. I, this was one of the ones I had circled to head over for, I would be flying back from Spain tomorrow. But they won with Jorge Prado and Tom Vial, as they normally do. They are almost every weekend winners in the MXGP and MX2 classes, so congrats to them. Now, as good as that was, oh, man, did their JGR Suzuki, you know, they're, they're a big part of that team. Did that go horribly? I mean, their entire team kind of fell apart. Joey Savacci didn't race because of a nagging injury. Freddie Noren cracked his kneecap in practice, and then, as I mentioned, Alex Martin – Broke his lower leg in practice. So it effectively just wiped out their whole team. That's a big bummer. But go check out the Pirelli tires lineup. You can get the Scorpion MX Soft. That's a scoop tire. You can get the MX32 Mid Soft, which is what I recommend for for softer terrain or just normal dirt. Or you can get the MX32 Mid Hard if you ride in rocky or harder terrains and you don't want your knobs to rip off, which can certainly happen if you use an aggressive, soft, soft, you know, a, a soft tire on rocky hard terrain, your knobs will rip off. That's, that's what they do. I mean, it doesn't matter what brand of tire you use. They will start to rip off because the knobs are too long and too far spaced for that type of terrain. So just keep that in mind. I've had that question come up a couple of times and why is this happening? Well, because you're using a tire that wasn't developed, you know, it's not designed for that hard of terrain. It's too aggressive and the knobs just aren't going to hold up to that heart of dirt. I want to thank Proglo. Now clean bikes just go faster and the new pro glow line of power sports cleaning solutions will get your equipment looking sharp in no time. Try their degreaser for those greasy grimy surfaces and the power sports wash will take off just about anything you can throw at it. I use it and actually do. This is a a product read as you know, but I do use this product. I got to actually have a karcher pressure washer on the way too, which is going to make this job even easier but I think, you know, for a lot of people out there, they use stuff like Simple Green or they use just soap and water or something to clean their bikes and, and gear. Why don't you use something that's specifically designed for to remove this type of dirt? Because a lot of that stuff's not. It's, it's kind of a, a do-it-all type thing. This Progo is designed for dirt and grime and grease and all the things that we face in the power sports industry. So, so, so use something that's built for us. You can also get 15% off your order by using the code moto15, that's M-O-T-O-15, at goproglow.com. And that's just like it sounds, G-O-P-R-O, glow, glo wcom Also want to thank Blenzall, blenzall.com, at Blenzall on Instagram. Check out their gold label line of products. It increases horsepower. It's going to give you more throttle response. It's going to give you higher RPM and it's going to lower operating temperatures. Those are all great things, right? Blenzol has been around forever. They have been under new ownership the last couple of years, and that's why you're seeing them out and aggressively sponsoring events, Michael Essie, this podcast, and you're only going to see that grow. They also have all kinds of new merchandise on their website as well. I have a coffee mug that I use pretty consistently from Blenzol. Thank you to David for that. And just jump in and, and support these companies that are actively supporting the sport. Works Connection. They grab more hole shots this weekend. If you play Pulp Amex Fantasy, which I'm sure a lot of you do, you will know that we have one of the ways to earn points is a first to the finish line. And if you know anything about hole shots, you know that Works Connection is a big part of a lot of teams. So like Monster Star Yamaha, they use Works Connection Pro Launch Start Device. If you look at factory Honda, guys like Chase Sexton, Christian Craig, they get pretty good starts, right? They use the Pro Launch Start Device. There's a reason why these pro teams use works connection. It's tried and true. It's been around forever. And there, there are some new products out there and I won't name names of new products that are on the marketplace in this space, but there are a reason why teams are sticking with the works connection piece. It works. The start is easily the most important part of the race. So why take chances? Use the works connection pro launch start device. And you can check it out at WorksConnection.com or at works connection on Instagram. Now, 450 class, we talked about it a little bit before, but, yeah, we expected Zach Osborne to, to make this happen. He, it would have had to be a catastrophic situation for him to not win. Injury, bike failure, first-term pileup, and not be able to continue. Something like that was the only way that Adam was going to be able to wrestle this title away from Zacho. That's not how it went. And, honestly, looking at the class, it was so depleted as far as injuries, and it got even worse on Saturday. It really lined up nicely for Zach. He didn't even really have to ride very hard. And if you were watching that second moto, he certainly was not. He was kind of cruising for most of the moto. Why wouldn't you? That's the smart thing to do. That's the veteran thing to do. Just let your ego go. Forget about all that. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Just if somebody's wanting to pass you, let them go. It's it's irrelevant. Within reason, right? You can't get 20th. But anywhere in the top 10, put in solid laps and bring the thing home. And when you have guys like Cody shock and these guys running around ninth and 10th place, you know, Zach Osborne is easily capable of besting guys like that. So he can, he can ride very safely and finish inside the top 10. And and I know how that kind of goes. You, for me, even now, as rusty as I am, I can go out and ride at 80 or 90%. And there's like a 1% chance of me crashing you know, and that's kind of what Zach was doing. He was nowhere near any sort of limit or in any sort of danger. The only thing that could possibly really happen, a likelihood would have been been a bike failure, a flat tire, or, you know, just something going wrong with the motorcycle because those things are unpredictable. You can rebuild the bike completely and something can still break, but luckily for Zach and luckily for fly racing and rockstar Husqvarna and everybody involved, he got it done. And if you are If you're a Zach Osborne fan, of course you're excited. But even if you're just neutral, I'm telling you as a human being, you should be happy for Zach. He is, he does, he just does it right. He's a great dude. He always does the right thing. Well, I don't say always, but he is that guy that you, you know, you want your children to look up to. He's a great role model, a great example for people. He's very appreciative. He's very thankful. He understands, you know, that, that he's fortunate to be doing this because He went, he had to go to Europe and live in, he had to live in England for three years. And he, you know, was not making any money. And he was just trying to get by and get, find his way back to American racing. You know, it started out for Zach in his early days. He was a prodigy. He was winning, you know, everything amateur wise. He went into his first race at Bud's Creek on factory equipment. And he led the moto for like 15 minutes and then completely fell apart. And I think that kind of set him back for the next few years. It ruined his confidence. He wasn't training enough. You know, he was similar to me in the fact where, you know, if, if he didn't work hard and do the right things, it's easy for him to gain weight, which is the same for me. And you could just see it. You could see that he wasn't training in the right ways and his diet wasn't, you know, there nutrition, all those things. And that really showed up at his first pro national ever. So to see him go through all the trials and tribulations that he did, and he's come back full circle. And it's, it's been happening for a while. You know, he won those 250 titles and then, you know, rolled into the 450 class. He jumps onto a factory Rockstar 450 team, you know, directly from the 250 team. And it's been, it's been building. But I will be honest with you, for, for me, I didn't think that he was going to be winning 450 races and titles. I really didn't. You know, and I say that in full transparency as a sponsor, you know, and as a friend of Zach Osborne. I didn't think that it was going to go like this for him. I thought he'd be great. I thought he'd be a top, you know, four, five, six, seven guy consistently. But to see the improvements he's made, to see the effort he's put in and the dedication and the belief in himself, has it's been pretty awesome. It's its really encouraging. And I think it just shows you what, you know, the hard work can bring you. If you're willing to stick it out and never really – never give up. And, they, you know, they say that they have that never say die – theme around their truck and all over the place for that team, you can really see that playing out for them. That That is coming to fruition in the form of race wins and titles. And it could not happen to a nicer guy and a nicer family. And uh, we'll see what 2021 brings. I, I think the future is pretty bright for him. And mentally, his confidence is growing. He is getting more and more familiar with being at the front of the pack. And, you know, I, I still think that guys like Webb and Tomac and some of these guys rocks and have a speed edge over him. And I think he might even tell you that too, because if you look at his time qualifying and, and stuff like that, it's not the best. That's not really his game, but if he can keep his starts on point, like they've been and they let him hang around in these series, he gets on a roll and then he's very difficult to deal with. So congrats to Zach. I, I could not be more thrilled for him and, I know all of us, I speak for all of us at Fly Racing when I say we are just happy to be along for the ride, and he makes us uh, he makes us very proud to be a sponsor. I, I wish every rider approached situations and handled their business the way that Zach Osborne does. Moving on to, to Eli Tomac, you know, th- this has been a weird summer for him, and we've kind of bounced all around as He's gone up and down, but I think it's pretty clear that he took time off, and I, I wonder if he'll ever, you know, share... His preparation with us, he's not the most vocal or forthcoming with stuff like that. But it, it just looked like he took a lot of time off, and he got better. You know, he won that first moto, and you could kind of see the last couple of weeks he's raced his way back into shape and back onto form. Second moto, he didn't quite have it for whatever reason. You wonder if maybe just the last moto of the year, he didn't want to take a chance of hurting himself or setting setting back his off season preparation. But he certainly looked like the Eli Tomac of old in the past few weeks. And I don't have any doubt that he will be back to, you know, race winning title contending Eli Tomac for 2021. So good ride for him. You know, he was, you know, the favorite going into the series and that didn't work out for him. And I I think that will be a driving force for him. He will be probably more motivated than he has been in a while. Yeah, I think the supercross thing clearly was uh, a big factor for him. Like he's wanted to win that Supercross series for so long now, and it's been just the the last frontier for him to kind of break through. But I think this summer getting beaten so often, you know, he's not used to running around in fourth and fifth. That is not an Eli Tomac uh, normalcy. So I think he's going to use that as fuel. And, and if he's ever lacking motivation, he can go back and watch – the red bud races and be, and watch himself just getting run away from guys were just faster than him. And maybe that'll get him back out there and, and doing more motos and get him fired up for 2021. So nothing to worry about, you know, I, I don't think it's, um, a trend that we're going to see continue. I just think it was a, an exhale, you know, a final deep breath after winning the title. He's so, he so longed for, and he had his first child, which we've mentioned too. I, I think it was just uh, a timing thing and circumstances where he needed a break. And then he just wasn't his best self this summer. And there's nothing wrong with that. He still won races, still won what two overalls. That's, that's nothing to, uh, you know, winning two out of nine races is nothing to be, you know, super unhappy about. It just, he set such a high bar winning three titles in a row that we look at it and like, Oh man, that wasn't very good. But in reality, most riders would kill to win two out of nine races in a series. Adam Cincerello He's on the rise. I mean, if you are not excited about where Adam Cincerillo's career is, is going, then your name is probably Cooper Webb. You know, everybody else can see where this is headed. I mean, the kid is, he has everything, right? The only real question that you could possibly ask about Adam is, is will he be able to eliminate the costly mistakes in a 17 round Supercross series? That's it. That's the only question I have. Everything else is there. The bike's there. The pace is there. The starts are there. The uh, maturity level of knowing how to win at this point is there. Like, he has all of those tools in his arsenal now. It's just going to be the races like Glendale where he flips over the front of his bike and is laid out on the track for five laps and loses a ton of points in one night. Can he eliminate nights like that? And, you know, nights like that can cause big injuries and can take you out of series completely. You don't see... You know Eli Tomac doing that very often, and and when he did, it cost him a series. We watched it time and time again, where you know he missed that Houston round, and that cost him a series. He was he had to pull out of San Diego, that cost him a series, and that's the only thing I could see happening negatively to Adam Cincirillo is just he's unable to eliminate that, and and it opens the door for people like Cooper Webb who very rarely do things like that, but. I'm a big AC fan and, you know, it was, it was tough for me because I would w- have loved to see AC win this title, but I was rooting for Zach Osborne, you know, pretty openly. And, you know, I, I think AC's time is coming. He will be a champion, I think, several times over. This just wasn't, wasn't quite yet. You know, this was Zach summer. And we've talked about that on other shows, you know, uh, with myself and Steve Matheson, and Jason Wygant. Some of these series, it's just your year sometimes. You know, Chad Reed's 2009 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship, that was his year. It was his time. It just, it just goes that way sometimes. You, you, everything will go in your way. And it's not always things that you're doing. You know, Chad wasn't dominant, in my opinion, in 09. I watched races where he was. You know, Josh Grant was clearly better than him. Red Bud, Spring Creek. But things went his way. You know, Michael Essie crashed out and you know broke his knee at Mount Morris when I I think Michael Essie was clearly the best guy things just happen your way some years and as long as you can get out of your own way you're gonna end up the champ and I think that was I don't want to say that was the case for Zach this summer because I think Zach had to go out and earn it but it it certainly things fell his way you know Tomac going DNF DNF at Loretta Lenz too and you just look at certain things happening in certain ways, you know, Cooper Webb drops out of the series, Ken Rockson drops out of the series. And I'm not saying Zach wouldn't have beaten them, but it certainly made life easier. So when it's your year, it's your year. And just, you know, in, in closing on Adam, it, it's coming. He's going to be a champion in my opinion. It's just going to be a matter of when and who does he have to contend with when that comes. I want to talk to you a little bit about Premier Vapor Blasting. Go check out their Instagram, If you're new to these restoration methods using vapor blasting, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's pretty new as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's a newer technology it's, it's growing pretty quickly, but for people that are wanting to restore old bikes or whatever, if even old street bikes or whatever the case may be, go check them out, go to at premier vapor blasting on Instagram, they are your number one choice for vapor blasting needs. It's the safest method also in in surface restoration. It doesn't compromise product integrity like some traditional methods can. It's safe on items like rubber and plastic, but it's still super gentle. So it's not going to damage really delicate parts either. You can get a 25% discount if you mention the industry seating podcast. Check those guys out, ask for Brandon over there and they will take care of you. I want to thank Ronnie at 612 Suspension. They're a race tech affiliate. So, you know, you're getting quality parts and service. But they can rebuild whatever you have, dirt bike, street bike, uh, UTV, ATV, anything with suspension, they can hook you up. That's what they do. He, he's at the races all the time. I grew up with he and his family. I, I've known them forever. His dad used to work on my suspension back when it was uh, his dad owned a franchise of a competitor suspension company. But that's how Ronnie cut his teeth. That's how he learned. Second generation suspension company. And uh, I'm happy to be affiliated with those guys. So check them out, 612suspension.com, at 612suspension on Instagram. Ask for Ronnie, and he will get you dialed in. And you can get a 20% discount if you mention this podcast. Fast Foundry, tech solutions. If you have a new startup, if you have an established company, if you are a small business owner, I can almost promise you that Fast Foundry can help you become more efficient. Whether you need to automate, whether you need to have some sort of virtual event, Fast Foundry has answers for you. You can reach out to them at 208-991-3320. You can get your your mobile side of your business optimized. And really, if you look at business today, that's where everything's going. I know that's a big part of our website program is making sure that our, our mobile side is optimized. But reach out to Fast Foundry, the guys over there, ask for Robert, and see what they can do to get your business running the most efficient way possible, because as we all know in 2020 and, and COVID 19 times, you need to be you need to have your A game going. I want to thank Plum Creek Funding too, Zach Morris over there. He's been helping a lot of people, and I, and I want to thank all of you for reaching out to him. It's only saving you money, so it's not like you're doing me a huge favor. You're helping yourself more than anything. But there's never been a time like this, and I'm I'm gonna try to buy something in the beginning of the year uh, next year. They're they're building some properties uh, here in Boise that I'm looking at. But if you have, maybe you already own a home, maybe you're looking at buying something. This is the best time. Rates have never been this low. You can get, you know, in the threes, uh, if you have, if you're looking for a VA loan, if you're in the military or currently in the military, you can get a 2.25% 30 year fix, which is just unheard of. But refis, I think are the most critical aspect for a lot of people. Just get that interest rate lower. You can save yourself literally thousands of dollars a year, by getting your interest rate lower. So, reach out to him, Zach Morris, Plum Creek Funding, 720 212 4685. And there are several of you, I wanna say probably upwards of 10 people who he has already done refis for through the Industry Seating Podcast. So, thank you to all of you. And if you haven't done so already, reach out to him. Just ask questions. Even if he's not licensed in your state, he can walk you through your situation and get you, just make sure that you have every bit of information you need so you can save yourself a ton of money. And, and I've shared this a couple of times on a personal side for me. My last refinance saved me $64,000 over the course of my loan. So the savings are real. This, is not a, this isn't a gimmick. This is, this is real life. And if you look, if you I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but if you go into and look at business forums or read headlines or anything, uh, these rates are historic. And people are doing refis and buying houses at a historic level that we've never seen people taking this much action, but it's because of the opportunity. We just, we may never see rates like this ever again. Once the economy rebounds and once, you know, COVID-19s, maybe not a thing in the past because we're going to be dealing with it for a while, but once it's more under control, the Federal Reserve is slowly going to raise rates back up. And that, that's how they, you know, that's how they balance the economy. You know, when the economy's roaring, they raise rates, and when it's struggling a bit and people need help, they lower them. So right now is our opportunity to lock in a rate for a very long time, or to go buy something because you're you're likely never to see rates this low again in your lifetime. I also want to thank Risk Racing. Last week was their first week on board the industry seating podcast, really happy to have those guys over. And I talked to you about the whole shot race gate. And I want to bring that up again because it, it just works so nicely with the works connection pro launch start device. It has a remote start. It has random timing. You can link up multiple gates. You can work, use it for ATV racing because you can use both gates simultaneously. This thing, if you use this with the pro launch start device, I don't know what else you could ask for to improve your starts. Most people don't have, access to things like this. They drop a rock or a stick, but even then you're not simulating going across the gate, right? Because you kind of pop up and the front end wants to wheelie a little bit as you hit the gate. And then you get, you can get a little bit of a spin or just the bike becomes unsettled over the gate. If you're not practicing that when you do it at the race, it's just going to be another factor that you have to account for that you're not used to when you're doing, you know, practicing starts over and over. So it's going to be different. Now, one thing I've learned I've talked to the best starters in, you know, motocross history, Michael Wesse, Jeff Emig, Michael Byrne, name off all these guys that know how to get starts, Andrew Short, and they all say the same thing. When you do your starts on race day, it should be just muscle memory. You should have done so many starts on, in your practice week that it's just, it's just reaction. You're not trying anything new. You're not trying to account for anything different. It should just be the same repetitive motion over and over the same RPM the same fork height, the same starting device. Everything should be exactly the same. But if you don't have a practice gate to do that with, you can't replicate that. It's impossible because just a rut at your local track, which is what most people do. That's not the same thing. You're not climbing over that gate. You're not, you don't have the same timing. You don't have that same repetitive motion. So check out risk racing, go get yourself a whole shot race gate. You can save yourself 15%. By using the code JT Money. It's JT dollar sign. It's not spelled out. It's J- JT and then shift four, which is the money sign for those of you who don't know. And you can get yourself a 15% discount at riskracing.com and you can use that promo code at checkout. So thank you to those guys. Thank you to Trevor for being a part of this podcast. And uh, go check out all the, they have a ton of other products too. I just wanted to highlight this whole shot race gate because I think it's such a unique product. There aren't many companies out there offering the exact same type race gate that you're going to be competing on every single weekend. Last but not least fly racing. Listen, that was our first 450 motocross title. That's a pretty big deal. I spend most of my waking life at fly racing headquarters here in Boise. I will be there again tomorrow. And we have so many cool things in the works. Uh, it's, it's kind of crunch time for signing riders and getting ready for our 2021 marketing campaigns, which is always fun. You know, that's more of the fun side of the business. But I just want to thank fly racing for everything they do for me. Uh, you know, everybody has bosses and of course I do too. So thank you to them for providing all of the, the, the opportunities that I have and allowing me to be a, a part of such a fun, a fun family. And, you know, we say the fly racing family, but when it really comes down to it, it's just a huge team and I'm happy to be a part of that. So back into the 450 action. Thank you to everybody for listening to those sponsors. It's a necessary part of this podcast, but if you, look at the rest of the field. It's a pretty bright future, right? Chase Sexton gets his first win. And it was a weird day for a lot of the field because it was so depleted, but you look at okay, yeah, guys were hurt, but what what were the takeaways from it? And Chase Sexton was a big one for me. We knew it was coming. You could see it all summer. And and I was just kind of like, okay, he's he's qualifying fastest. When's when is it going to show up? When is he going to get this done? And it took till the final round just like it did for jet Lawrence to get that win. And he got some help, you know, Adam since crash certainly helped him, but that's okay. That's part of it. You know, you need, sometimes you need a little bit of help to get that first one and get over that hump. That's not chase Sexton's fault. You have to be there and ready to capitalize. Just like I talked about for Jet Lawrence, when people are going to make mistakes, you need to be the one that capitalizes and take advantage of those opportunities. Those bonus checks, they cash the same. That win in the record books. There's no asterisk saying that Adam Cicerillo fell over with a couple laps to go. That that's all irrelevant. Nobody remembers or cares about any of that. All they know is that Chase Sexton won his first ever Pro 450 Pro Motocross race at you know Paula at the last round. That's all that matters. So great job to Chase Sexton. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of that kid's riding style. I don't know him personally very well, but when I watch him ride. I wish I could have done the things that he does on his motorcycle. So great job from him. Great riding and a uh, pretty bright future for him moving forward. Now, what it does though, is it makes me wonder how it's going to go for him in that Honda truck next year with Ken Roxon. Because if you know anything about that scenario, and, and it's probably not common knowledge, but Honda HRC is pretty much team Kenny. He calls the shots over there for better or worse. He just has a lot of pull inside that team as far as direction and, what they do and don't do. Um, Some would say too much. Some would say uh, that he is kind of steering the ship when he should have bosses steering the ship. That's not for me to say. I just hear that. I I don't really care. So now you have this hotshot Chase Sexton who's on the rise coming in there. Is that going to be a source of friction? I don't know. It it certainly was a little bit this summer. You know, Sexton was setting the fastest lap times and testing, and I don't think that was... Ken Rockson's favorite dynamic ever. So let's just watch for that. I I don't know how it goes. Maybe they're all cool. Maybe Kenny's just like, yeah, screw it. I just got to beat this. I have to beat him. But it will be interesting to watch it play out because Kenny's really never faced